Well, good morning. It is, it's great to have all of you uh, joining us here this morning and uh, those of you joining us online. And, and uh, I'm sure there are a few of you that are here for the first or second time. Great to have you uh, joining us. Uh, and we're kind of wrapping up this series, uh, How to Be a Christian. And it's, it's really kind of looking at this very practical side of the uh, Christian uh, life. And we've had some great bumper videos uh, through this uh, whole uh, series here. I've enjoyed those. And uh, as I was thinking about uh, this morning's and wrapping it up, it, it just, it, there's a part of this week's that just kind of hit uh, close to home just uh, b- because of the application side of it and just some of the things been going on in my life here uh, lately. And it kind of started, um, well, Angie and I went on a, a, a kind of a short trip over to California for a few days. We we're staying in a place and I was backing out of a parking spot in a parking garage. Um, and, you know, and all the spaces were really tight. And I looked over to my left and there was no car there. And so I thought I've got plenty of room to, to back out and I can just kind of swing out wider to, you know, kind of get out like that uh, to go. Um, only I didn't notice there was a great big concrete pole that was like right there. Yeah. I mean, I walked right past it to get in the car. So <laughs> I just, I wasn't in a good noticing mode at this moment. And so like I hit it and just, so now we get over here and I've got to get it repaired and call the insurance uh, company and went through all that stuff and uh, should have just taken like a week or so and they call me back and they're like uh, and apparently there's like this shortage of parts right of all kinds of parts and they said you know it could take a little longer than we thought and so uh, she said like two and a half months maybe and it took yes every bit of two and a half months and the problem we've got is that there are four of us in the house right now who all have jobs and so now we were like one car short of a you know we had one more driver than we had cars and so we started playing this you know this game of you know musical cars of like okay who's going to drop off who to go to where and what's your schedule and we were trying to figure this thing all out and a little ways into that my son was uh, out rock climbing and broke his ankle um, which, yes, complicated everything, although it did even up the number of cars to drivers that we had because he wasn't allowed to drive. <clears throat> but then, you know, it was like, yay, well, mm, now we got to take him every place. And so then we're back to kind of like playing this whole game and going through uh, that whole uh, deal with this. And then uh, my wife, uh, Angie, she's like, you know, when I was driving at night, it's like I couldn't see very well and it's kind of making me nervous. And so she went and saw her eye doctor and her eye doctor said, you know, you're kind of young for this but you've got cataracts and we need to fix that and so they scheduled her for eye surgery and in the meantime they're like and we don't want you to wear your contacts because we want your eyes to relax or something because we've got to measure it before the surgery all this stuff so now she couldn't drive so now it's just Colette and I you know we've got plenty of cars it's just now we don't have enough drivers and we're taking people around and everything and it's just you know what I mean like when your schedule just kind of gets maddening and it's not it's not any one thing it's just how it adds adds up and it just kind of keeps playing out day after day and uh so one morning I take Angie to meet one of her colleagues who's going to give her a ride to work because we've got the whole schedule thing all figured out. But of course, you know, it gets a little maddening because I get, you know, I'm just like, okay, I've got to do this, that, that, and I think I've got it all squared away. Then I get to the office, I've dropped Angie off, and I've left my computer at the house. And I'm like, oh, right? 
So I try and work without my computer, and after about 20 minutes, I'm like, this doesn't, uh, this is not working. I need my computer. So I drive back to my house, which was actually a really good thing, because when I got home, I opened up the garage door, I walk, I open up the door to the laundry room out of the garage, and when I open it up, my hallway is like a little river just flow, wa yes, water just flowing down. And my laundry room is like a lake. Um, uh, there was m uh, my daughter's toilet spraying a leak uh, after we left that morning. And she's got these two chinchillas and she feeds them hay and she's got this bag of hay on the floor and somehow the water like lifted the bag of hay and it spilled over and as I was looking down the hallway, all I could see was hay floating down the hallway like a river <coughs> in there and then of course uh, you know we're trying to vacuum up all of the water because we've got this shop vac and I again I'm calling the insurance company again yes no it's not for my wife's eye it's not for the car that I wrecked this time it's for our house and <coughs> and uh, so they bring this team out there that you know and they and, and the way they dry it out is they put like 20 of these giant industrial fans in your house to dry everything out and for two weeks it was like living inside of a 747 just and you're just like this is maddening right this this whole thing and so um follow me on this um our vacuum wasn't working right and so, so it's like it, you know it's like but it's not like vacuuming up anything and I'm cleaning all the filters out and whatever and I flip it over and I notice that the brush that bristle brush that spins on the bottom was just clogged and tangled in all of like these little strings and fibers from the carpet and everything and I just looked at this and it kind of smelled like smoke you know it was like like spinning and it was just like and I was like that's a perfect metaphor of my life right now that's what that is right ever have a moment where you're just like you know you know where my life is right now that clogged up vacuum is a perfect metaphor of my life right now. It's just that bristle brush just all tangled in all of the, it's just like a thousand little things and it just all gets wrapped up and it's like you're expending all of this energy. Ever been in this place? Expending all of this energy and it's just like, but it doesn't feel like things are moving forward very well, right? It's just, and you just kind of get worn out by what are somewhat normal things in life, right? That, uh, you know, water leaks and, and you know, eye surgery and it just, it's life and it happens. And it's not like any one of them, but they add up. Ever, maybe, and I'm sure some of you right now, you're like, I'm in that place right now, Glenn, right? And some of you are like, I know what that's like. I've been there, right? And we'll all be there again, I'm sure, right? So, so when we think about this, when we think about this, the, the reason I want to talk about these two practices is because there are these two spiritual practices that are actually super valuable when we're navigating life through things uh, like this. There's a couple of these spiritual practices to understand them and just practice them in a practical way. It's like they help begin untangling, you know, that, that brush that just had everything wrapped around it and just clogged it all up. It's, it's like it begins the process of untangling some of that stuff. And it just frees us up a little bit as we're navigating life. So this morning, I want to talk about two spiritual practices, practices that have been practiced for a long, long time uh, by many, many Christians before us. The first one we're going to talk about is prayer. You probably gathered that from, uh, uh, from the bumper video there. 
So uh, prayer. Prayer, again, uh, it can be very powerful for a number of different ways as we're navigating just the normal stresses of life and how that binds us up uh, at times. Um, <clears throat> now, as I say this, I also know that probably there are quite a few of you, because I run into this all of the time. In fact, this... Uh, we had a lot of you that requested that we talk about prayer because there's this thing where we just feel like, you know, when it comes to prayer, like, like I can do it, I understand it or whatever, but like, I don't, I don't necessarily feel adequate in praying in a way that is effective or that is, is good or that, that really accomplishes uh, something in this. And I think there are moments when we get kind of pulled into this thing and we think about, we think of that person and we're just like, man, they are so good at praying, man. You just hear them pray and you like, wow, that is so good. And you can just feel like, you know, I don't know that I'm all that great it praying in all of this. And we have these ideas of what a good prayer is. And we just feel like, I don't know if, if I could do that. But here's what I want to say. I think you might be surprised at what the Bible talks about as far as being a good prayer or an effective prayer. So I, I really want to look at that here this morning. And to do that, I want to look at a, a time when Jesus actually teaches a little bit on prayer. It's found in the Gospel of Matthew, which is the very first book in the New Testament. So if you want, feel free to turn with me to Matthew chapter 6. <clears throat> Matthew chapter 6, and we're going to look at uh, verse 5, because he's going he's gonna to talk about what a good or what an effective prayer is here. Look at verse 5. He says this, And when you pray, do not pray like the hypocrites, uh, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. So, like, good news here. Like, the point of what he's saying here is, a good prayer is not the prayer that is that beautiful, well-crafted prayer that's just like executed with elegant, elegant words and the right tone of voice. And like, you know, when you think of that person, just like they pray so good, right? Not talking about a prayer that is beautiful or that prayer that you just think just boy they use all the right words in there that's not what it is and I think this is good news because um if you've felt pressure about like like you know I've got to pray the right way and I've got it like it's kind of like Jesus saying hey take the pressure off right those images you have of that person who has that beautiful eloquent prayer that, that's, that's not what makes a great prayer a great prayer. Um, look, uh, drop down to verse 7, because he gives us another insight into this. He says this, verse 7. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like the pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words, right? So at times when you think, oh man, you know, those people that are really spiritual, they just, they, they, like they pray and pray. They just know how to keep on praying and using all of those words and it just keeps on going. And I know some of you are like, yes, because at Thanksgiving, we're not asking, you know, that family member that always volunteers to pray before the Thanksgiving meal who goes on and on and on. You don't have to call on them. Yeah, you can call on someone who's just be like a nice short prayer, right? The longer the prayer doesn't mean it's more spiritual, right? And that's really good news, right? That We love that. Um, uh, true story. I was doing a hospital visit. 
uh, I go in to do the hospital visit, and there was a man that uh, was there, and he had an adult daughter who was probably a little younger uh, than me, and I talked to them a little bit, and I said, you know, can I pray for you before I go? And they're like, yeah. And so I said, well, let's hold hands. And so we, I hold hands with him and her, and, and I begin praying, and I'm praying, and then she just uh, walks away in the middle of the prayer. Just, praying, just She lets go of my hand and walks away, and I'm praying, and I'm like, what? I, I, I had no idea where she was going. She, like, left. And so I'm praying, but then I'm just like, I, is she going to come back? I don't, I, I, I don't, so I'll just leave my hand there for when she comes back. And so I'm just praying and praying, and my hands out like this, and kid you not, as I'm praying, uh, he starts snoring. I mean, lights out, deep sleep, he's just snoring. And I'm standing there like, huh, okay. I think I'm going to just say amen and end this right now. <laughs> so I say amen, and I'm still holding his hand. He's asleep. And my other hand is out, and I look over, and there's a nurse who I have no idea, no idea how long she's been standing there looking at me, and I'm sure she's just going, boy, you need to go back to pastor school or something because, <laughs> you know, it's just, yeah. So I say this, right? If you, if... In any of your prayers, you've never like had half the people just walk off and the other half fall asleep at the same time. You're doing better than me, okay? Right? You've got what it takes, right? And, and, and I love this because what he's saying is maybe some of those things that, you know, like the person just prays on and on and on, or that person is so eloquent, that's not what makes a good prayer a good prayer, Okay? And, and he, gets, he gets at what a good prayer is. I love this. Uh, in verse 6. Look at verse 6. He says this. But when you pray, go to your, uh, go to your room. And, and, this is, and he's using this metaphorically, right? Uh, but when you pray, go to your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Um, now, his point is not and just don't pray in front of other people, right? No group prayers anymore, right? We're still going to, we'll end, how about we end the service today with a, uh, with a prayer, okay? That's okay. That's not what he's talking about here. This point about uh, go and pray in secret is, this is a gift, right? He's offering us a gift here. What he's saying is, um, uh, God is looking for something genuine and honest. That's what makes a good prayer. Like, when you go to God in secret, and it is not about how eloquent it might be to other people, or even to God for that matter. That's not what he's looking for here. And it's not how long it goes on. It's not how many words can you come up, can you keep on going and going and going. That's not what it's about. It's this simple, beautiful thing of just being genuine and authentic before God with whatever it is that you're bringing in before him in prayer. That's what makes a good prayer. And you know what? We can all do that. We can all just be genuine from our heart about whatever is on our heart or our mind. We're, this is the gift. We're being invited. We don't have to become something. We come as we are uh, in prayer in this. And uh, the, the, that is the thing um, that actually makes prayer effective in this, right? He says, God responds to this. Your gift isn't in how you impress people in, you know, either how long or how beautiful the words. 
your gift is that, that God responds. God rewards you. God does, he's gonna answer that prayer in some way. Um, I love how uh, Peter puts this in, um, and, and I'll just read this. You don't have to flip here if you don't want to. But in um, 1 Peter chapter 5, Peter is talking uh, to some folks uh, in a church and he says this in verse 7. He says, uh, and this is about prayer, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Right? There's a kind of prayer where you get to cast. Like you, like it's like you, you don't have to hold back. You, you know, like you get to just say, God, like this is coming from my heart. This is what is on my mind. This is, this is what matters to me. And, and the confidence that we have in praying that to God, again, is not in a technique or how many words we add to it. You know what our confidence is that we bring in praying that? Is the receiver. God cares about us. That's what makes a good prayer, is that you pray authentically with this understanding, God wants to hear this. God cares about what I have to say in this. And I want to encourage you that uh, all through life, even in those moments where you don't feel all tangled up to be praying, but especially in those moments where uh, you just go, man, I, like I've got stress and I'm just like, there's too many things going on and I'm trying to figure out how to navigate this and I feel a little overwhelmed. Pray, pray for two reasons uh, flowing out of this. And they both, both of them are because come out of this idea, God cares. And because God cares in the mystery of God, there is always the possibility of change. Prayer changes things and it changes it in two ways two ways the first is this prayer holds the possibility of changing you when we pray right this simple exercise of being authentic and honest before god and and because god receives it and cares about it in the mystery of who god is and how he works there are times when we pray and whatever it is that we are praying for or about, sometimes God chooses to change us. Uh, there's, a, there's a story about the life of this uh, young man by the name of Joseph in the Old Testament. And uh, Joseph, uh, everything goes his way at, at the very beginning. And out of great jealousy from his brothers, his brothers uh, kidnap him and end up selling him into slavery to, to just get him out of the way. And his life takes a horrible turn, as you can imagine. And we have all of these prayers from Joseph. And of course, Joseph is praying, get me out of here. Get me back home. Like, free me. And, and through all the turns of this story, there's all of these turns for years where God never answers the story by changing the circumstance the way Joseph would want. But man has got at work. And he's changing Joseph. He's changing Joseph from the inside out and making Joseph into the kind of man who's understanding how to navigate those difficult waters. And there are good and beautiful things that come out of that that Joseph would never give up in there. Sometimes when we pray, we pray, and the thing that changes in the mystery of God is us. God looks at us and says, you know, I, I care about you, and I hear what you're saying or asking for. 
And I'm going to answer that prayer. And part of how I want to answer that prayer is I want to grow and change and transform something in you. And I've experienced that. And I bet many of you have, right? And, and I would always say, yes, but I would rather, God, you would change, you know, my circumstances. But in God's wisdom, there are moments when he says, but Glenn, I want to make you a little bit more mature. I want to make you a little bit wiser. I want to I grow you in some way that will give you the ability to navigate through that. And you know, as I look back on that, there's never a moment that I look back on my life and say, I would, I would trade the growth that God gave me for an easier circumstance, right? But trust that when you pray, the possibility of you growing or changing in some beautiful way that you would understand and embrace is always there. And the second way, the second way is simply prayer holds the possibility of changing the world. Sometimes God says, I'm going to change the circumstances. I'm going to, because you prayed this, I'm going to change this. And there's kind of a mystery to this, right? Uh, and this throws theologians at different times. It's like, well, if God already knew what you were going to pray and God already knows every, like, why didn't it? I don't know, right? All I know is uh, sometimes God says, you prayed about it, I'm going to change it. There's a great moment, again, in the Old Testament, and this is about Moses, uh, who is leading the Israelites out of slavery, right? And he's taking them to the promised land. And this, in this, during this time, the Israelites, they just go into this deep time of rebellion against God. Like they push back on everything God is saying and they just moan and complain about everything they don't want to like. And they, like, they just keep pushing back. And finally God says, like, fine. If you don't want to follow me, like, fine. Like, I'll, let's go the other direction. My judgment will come down. God literally says, maybe I should just eliminate. Like, like here's the decision. I'm going like, to bring my judgment and just eliminate this whole group. And this is like, Ugh. and Moses prays and says, God, you're right about, like, they've rejected you. They've, like, all of that's right. But I want to ask you, please don't do that. Please stick with them. Please lead them. Please hang in there. And then to the total bafflement of all theo theologians everywhere, the Bible says, and God changed his mind. Yeah. Moses prays and God goes, okay, let's do it different. And, like, and God changes it. Some, and there's a mystery to that, right? We could go through all the little exercises like, okay, but if God knew that, was that like, it's like, don't worry about it. Don't overcomplicate it. Time and time again, there are points in scripture where, where history like gets changed because there's someone who prays and God responds. In fact, I'd be willing to bet that that most of you in this room have stories. There's moments where you'd say, man, I prayed about something. And you know what? God changed something. He changed the circumstances in my life. Maybe, maybe, the, maybe it was a physical ailment or something and like God healed you in some way. Maybe God changed the circumstances uh, where you work. Maybe like, I don't know what it is. I, I know that I have all these different moments in my life where I can point back and I say, you know, I think God intervened there and he changed things. And so in a moment where I look at my life and I go, I feel a little bit like that vacuum bristle brush that's just all clogged up and tangled in all those fibers and strings and everything. Just like, I'm going to just pray for God's help 
And maybe God will change me a little bit. Maybe God will change my circumstances. But God cares. And he is a place to go for change in my world. Pray. Because prayer changes things, friends. Now, second discipline. Um, that I think is super effective. And it's, uh, or uh, I'm going to call it a practice, second practice, spiritual practice, and it's meditation. Meditation. Um, when you look throughout uh, uh, Scripture, there are a lot of different types of meditation uh, that you, and examples of different types of meditation that you see throughout Scripture. But let me give you just like a, a real basic working definition for meditation uh, here this morning when you think about it and what I'm going to walk through in this. Um, Meditation is pausing to center yourself in the present moment with God. Let me say that again. Meditation is pausing to center yourself in the present moment. In other words, getting out of the past, stop worrying about the future, like actually find a place where you can sit and just be present with God in the present moment moment and get re-centered in God in that moment. Now, um, that may not sound like much, but it has a powerful way of helping us in those moments that we get all entangled. Because one of the things we often don't realize when we get all entangled is we get all entangled by all the stuff that's been going on that just wears us out. And it's like we're pulling all of this stuff from what has happened into the present moment. And we, we get filled with fears and anxieties and worries about the future. We're not even in the future yet. Like, it's like we start suffering in the present moment over things that haven't even happened yet, right? And it's like we're pulling pulling everything into this moment. And you know what we're losing in that moment? Who God is in us right now. And meditation has a way of recentering our soul and our heart in the present moment in God. And it's like, and you just kind of feel those things on both sides. They just kind of lose their grip uh, on us uh, in this. Um, a, uh, there are some illustrations out of Scripture that are, can maybe be really helpful when you think about uh, meditation from a, like a linguistic standpoint. Um, the word meditation carries this idea, like within cooking, the idea of simmering. So when you think about like when you're cooking and you're simmering uh, something, it's like you put it like on low heat and you just let it just slowly simmer where all the juices, everything soaks in Deep. All that flavor gets into whatever it is that you're cooking in there. And meditation is about letting something soak in and get deep, right? When you pause in that moment. Another linguistic uh, metaphor that is used uh, out of the word meditation uh, is with eating. And, it, and it's the idea of how a lion eats its meal, right? And as you can imagine, lions don't, you know, have a, you know, a brand new meal or, you know, a kill and go, you know, I think I'm going to, I'm going to snack on a few things. Oh, not bad. And then wander off and say, you know, I'm going to just let that savor and just I'm going to walk. And maybe an hour later, I'll come back and have a few more little bites. Like a lion, like when they get their meal, like they put their claws into it and they devour it. They eat it and they take it all in. And the idea here is like with meditation, like if you were to meditate on a passage of scripture, it's not like you just like look at a passage of scripture and go, oh, okay, I read it once. And that's the basic idea. And now I leave it alone. 
to meditate, like on a passage of scripture, is to devour it. It is to take it in and not just understand it a little bit. It is to try and understand it fully in your mind, but not just to understand it in your mind. It is to begin to understand it in your heart and then to understand where you've devoured it to the point now you're, you're living the truth of that scripture out. To meditate is to, right, is to let it simmer and let it soak in deep or to devour until it, it, it's having an impact on your entire being. That's why I say center. You become re-centered in God. And the reason this is so important, and, and this is important to realize too. I don't think we realize this. Christians, followers of Christ, have been practicing meditation for as long as Christians have been practicing prayer. It's just, we've lost this notion of meditation really like in the last hundred years. In the last hundred years, <clears throat> we've just, it's just been kind of crowded out of our lives. And here's, and this is my theory on how it's kind of been crowded out of our lives. There's this schedule thing and how we take things in. Uh, go back to 1920. In 1920, uh, we had the very first radio, commercial radio broadcast. And all of a sudden, radio started becoming a big thing and more and more people got radios. They started putting radios in cars. So think about this for a moment. Um, these moments uh, where someone might be driving to work or traveling someplace where you'd have this, t this kind of, of like alone time or quiet time well now you could feel it like there was this input and there's nothing wrong with radios radios are wonderful right but all of a sudden uh this like drive time or whatever it, it's now being filled with something uh fast forward to like 1948 in 1948 uh the three major uh television broadcast companies started doing television broadcasting throughout the entire day not 24 hours but like from sun up to, to past sundown and all of a sudden right now on your way home from work or school or whatever you could listen to the radio and just kind of take that in and then you get home and now you could sit down and watch tv all afternoon right and then um uh, in 1980, a new device came out, right? And we're already crowding out these moments where, where you can really pause. Um, and Sony came out with the Walkman. Remember this, right? Some of you, some of you are just like, what? Yeah. Um, uh, the Sony Walkman. And now, right, you could hold in your hand and put on like ear, you know, some earphones. And now you could take... Uh, you know, music or whatever, everywhere you went, not just in the car, not just at home, you could go on a walk, you could go wherever, and you're inundating your mind, like you've just got, you've got this opportunity to do this. Um, 2007, um, Apple comes out with the very first smartphone. We didn't even call them smartphones in 2007, right? It was the iPhone. Um, and now, uh, like there's no place, there's no time that not just music, like you can take in information of all kinds at any point, right? It's always right there. Think about, think about the last time you went uh, to like go get coffee someplace and you're waiting in line to get your coffee. And um, if you were to look around, what would you see? Uh, if you were to see all the other people waiting in line to get uh, coffee, what would it be? Yeah, there are like, now, of course, you would have to do this yourself to notice everybody else do this, right? <laughs> yeah, it's like we get, we're like, we're just encased in it. And now with, like, the, um, with the wireless uh, uh, earbuds, like, 
now like 24 7 you can just be lost in this and taking in whatever and what's and nothing wrong with smartphones or tvs or radio i don't want to vilify those at all but what i will say is it's like we've accidentally backed into a way of living where constantly the thing we're processing in our mind is what other people are saying, singing, speaking about. We're constantly taking in the perspective of other people. It's just constant. And if we're constantly hearing from others that are coming through our devices and everything, you know who we don't ever have a chance to hear from? God. We just, and not because it's just like, well, I don't want to hear from God. It's just all of a sudden I don't naturally have a moment where the silence or the environment that I'm in in that moment invites me to pause and recenter myself in a moment and go, God, what's going on in here? What, what would you want me to know or experience right now? And meditation is simply a way, it is a Christian way of pausing and recentering and understanding what's going on in here, hearing your heart and God's voice versus all of those other things. Does that make sense? So uh, part of this series is all about being really, really practical. So if you're just like, meditation just seems like a thing that I like, that's not for me because I never, can I just give you a really simple way? I want to make this really practical. That you can just create that moment where you can pause and get recentered in the present moment with God. Because, and let's go back to uh, Matthew chapter 6. Go back to Matthew chapter 6. Um, because a little later in that chapter, and, and Jesus actually walks through a number of spiritual practices in Matthew chapter 6. And he gets down, he never calls it meditation per se, but he gets to a place where he actually is teaching something, and the way he walks it out, it just fits a perfect uh, practical way to meditate. He actually gives us an outline for how to meditate on this subject. And uh, lo and behold, the subject that he's talking about is like anxiety is like this thing when we get like just when we get all worked up or wrapped up or tangled up in all the things in life and all those cares and worries and i find it very interesting that he walks through that particular subject in a way that just walks out um how we could meditate in a way that would free us uh, from that. So um, let me start by just reading uh, that passage. It starts in verse 25. So chapter 6, verse 25. And then, then I'm going to break it down. Because you may not see the pattern right away. But, but let me read the passage. Verse 25. He says, Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life or what you will eat or drink or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or stow away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Okay, so um, I want you to see this. There's three parts to this, and it just becomes three easy parts of how you can just take a few moments and meditate uh, it, it, anytime you have the opportunity. And, and I'm going to give you one word for each part. It's notice, remember, and anchor. 
Notice, remember, anchor. In fact, say it with me. Ready? Notice, remember, anchor. If you can remember those three words, you can meditate. Okay? So, um, f first thing, uh, let me just say this. When you meditate, there's not some uh, grand posture or some position that you have to be in. Like oftentimes people think of, when I first thought of meditating years and years ago, I always thought it's just like you have to like sit there and go, um, and just like hold your hand and then empty your mind of everything. And I was always like, that scares me a little. Like what if my mind gets stuck that state? Like I'm just stuck in an empty state. And I just sit there for a okay? That's not meditation. That, that's not what the Bible's talking about here, okay? Um, uh, I personally... I find that if I'm on a walk or a hike or a jog and not listening to anything, that, that there's something about that that works really well for me. Sometimes sitting down and closing my eyes is really good, but God has wired you and all of you in different ways. Find your space. Maybe it's on a walk. Maybe it's sitting on your back porch late at night with your eyes open and staring at the sky. Maybe it's early in the morning with your eyes closed. Maybe it's there with your Bible open. Whatever it is, you find that space. But start with this. Start with notice, okay? And, and, and the point here is notice your thoughts. Notice your thoughts that are going on inside of your heart and mind. Um, look at verse 25 again here where he says, um, and he says, here's what's going on inside of you, right? He, he's pointing this out. What will you eat or drink or about your body or what will you wear? What he's saying is, like, he's pointing out, here are the concerns. These are the thoughts in your mind. What, what am I going to wear? What am I going to eat? What am I going to, right? Those are those anxious thoughts. And so here's what you can do, right? Take a moment and just notice what your thoughts are. Oh, there's a thought. Gosh, I'm worried about something going on at work tomorrow. And here's what I want you to do with this. Notice it and then let it go. Just let it go, right? Um, maybe the next thought is, gosh, and I'm, I'm it, it, next thought is like a feeling kind of thought. Boy, I'm really anxious. Um, okay, I'm feeling anxious. Now let it go. But don't judge it. Don't go, oh, I'm feeling really anxious and Jesus said I shouldn't be anxious and now I feel bad because I'm anxious. Like, no, 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 no. Don't judge it. Jesus isn't judging you. Don't just acknowledge what's going on in you and then let it go. And then there'll be another thought. Just, and, and here's what's happening with this. We take in so much from the outside. There's this thing. We, so many of us in the modern world, even as Christians, we don't really have a good idea of what's happening in our own hearts. We know a lot about somebody else's because we watch their podcast all the time. We know what's going on in them all of the time. But we don't really know ourselves. And if you don't know yourself, if you don't know what's going on in you, it's really hard to even have a starting point of how to recenter back to that moment. If you're not recognizing, gosh, I'm kind of anxious and I'm worrying about this or I'm stressed out because I've got frustrations or like th because of this relationship or this, and you don't have that starting point, th then, then you're missing something. And Jesus says, hey, worry, like he just goes through these things and all he's pointing out is just notice where you are. It doesn't mean it's true, okay? It just means it's, it's honest 
to where you are. All you're doing is taking stock in where you are. And just take a little time and just get really honest. And if you want to invite God to be a part of that, say, God, help me to notice what I most need to notice now. Oh, there's that thought. Okay, let it go. There's that thought. Let it go. That's notice, okay? Second thing, second thing is remember. And remember is this. Remember what God has done in your life and in the world here, okay? So the first one is notice. You're taking stock of what's in your own heart. This one, you're taking stock of who God is and what God has done. Um, uh, verse 26 says this. Jesus walks in and he says, now, right, I notice all the things going on in your heart. And then he says, I want you to remember this. Look at this. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or stow away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Oh, he's saying, you know, I know you're all stressed out about that stuff, but can I just ask you to remember the last time you saw a bird, you know, flying around in your backyard and how God takes care of even that bird? Hmm. And, you know, there are two areas that, that it's real easy that we can... Uh, point are remembering at first one is remember those things that God has done in your life because I bet there are moments in your past where God was at work where God walked you through a really stressful moment where where uh right maybe maybe you're earlier just like man I'm really worried about finances and I'm just and you remember he says you know there was another time when finances were hard and yet here I am God got me through it and I know someone else, and God got that person through that. The other place to remember is out of Scripture, right? There are all of these things. You can go back and go, oh, man, I want to, I want to, here's where God was, at. here's what Jesus was doing here. I remember a moment when Jesus, there was, right, there was a man who was paralyzed and, like, seemed to have no hope. And, man, Jesus took care of that. Like, God cared about that person, right? Um, you can take this passage. I encourage you, take, take Matthew 6 and make that something. Open up your Bible and go through and, let, and just remember what God did there. Last week, we talked about Psalm 139. That is a great passage of Scripture. Go meditate on that Scripture and just start taking stock of who God is and what God has done. And do you see what's happening here? Understanding where I am. Oh, now I'm taking stock of where God is. And the idea here is, what would happen if I could start letting this go and start filling that space with what God is up to and what he's doing, which leads to this third part of meditating. And that is the anchor part of this. And it's this, anchor in what God has for you in this. Um, look at uh, the very end of verse 26, right? Jesus goes through this whole thing and then he ends on this point. Are you not much more valuable than they? Speaking of the birds, right? So notice what's going on in you, but remember how God takes care of the birds of the air. Now here's this anchor point. You are way more valuable to God than even these birds that he's constantly taking care of. And all of a sudden, like you've got this anchor point. God, God cares so much more for me. 
And now all of a sudden you have this anchor point that you're filling, your, your, you're getting to center back into this place and you're getting to see what I need to let go of, what I can acknowledge and rest in, anchor myself in. You know, when you think about an anchor, think about what an anchor does for a ship, right? If an anchor goes out, they get to put that anchor down in the, sh in the sea and it hits the, the floor bottom and it is able to hold the boat in that place. Right? So think about your own soul, your own life. Wouldn't you love to wake up tomorrow morning and go, you know what? I'm, I've got all of this crazy stuff going on, right? We're going to play musical cars tomorrow morning. Who's going to drive who, where, in what car? And, you know, who knows what's going to happen with my house on the, it's just like, oh, this is, but I'm anchored in this. God cares about me. And all of a sudden that helps me understand how to see, I'm going to see that whole situation differently. You know what else that anchor does? It helps when the storm comes, right? It helps anchor that ship to hold it against the tide, against the waves, against the current, when all that's... Because, right, I know something else is going to happen this next week or the week. It's just a matter of time because it's life, right? There's something about meditation that keeps pulling us back and anchoring us to that place. Anchor yourself in who God is and what he has for you. Because, friends, right? Whatever you face, you can always come before God. You can always cast your cares and your worries and concerns on him because he cares about you. And you can do that genuinely and honestly. You don't have to have some magic formula because that's prayer. And you can always anchor your own sense of well-being in the present moment to who God is. And that's simply the practice of meditation, right? I think back on the last couple of months here, going through everything, the craziness in my life, and can I just say, I am so glad that I've had the opportunity to practice these two spiritual practices because it's done so much to just, na I'd be a basket case. I'd be up here going, okay, turn, turn in your Bibles to like, you know, like I just, like, but it's just like, okay. The world can get weird and nutty, but God's holding fast to me and I'll be okay, see. Practice those things and then experience, see what it does in your own spiritual journey. Well, I'm going to close this out here with prayer. And before I do, just let me say, if you are, if you're new here visiting um, or if we've never had a chance to meet, I would love to meet you. I'm going to be right over here by these tables and I just invite you to come and shake my hand. I'd love to welcome you this morning. And if you've got something going on in your life and you just say, okay, Uncle Lynn, I'm going to go pray and meditate on it, but I'd love to have someone else with me, praying with me. Can I, there's some wonderful people in our prayer spot over here that would love to pray with you as well. Like take it, that is a gift. Take advantage of that if you'd like someone to pray with you. Why don't you stand and I will close us in prayer and just say it's so good getting to walk through this series with you uh, all uh, here uh, this last month and just invite you all to come back uh, next week as we start a new series. Let me pray. Father, we just thank you and we just adore you and just how you work in our lives and we pray that you would help us all to find that center place where we're anchored back in you and taking stock of you in our lives. And we pray this in your son's name. Amen. Have a great Sunday.